Hey y'all, this is Megan from The Feeny Call. I just wanted to talk a little bit about today's guest, the amazing artist Shy, before we dive into the episode. So we got in touch with Shy because he just released a song called Boy Meets World and it caught my eye ooh, probably a couple months ago and I have been listening to it nonstop. So if you haven't gone and listened to it, go listen to it. It's on every major streaming platform. You're going to want to hear it before you continue because you're going to be hooked on it. And once I heard it, I shared it, he saw it, we started chatting and I'm so excited that we are able to, uh, we were able to chat and uh, talk about Boy Meets World, but also talk about Shy as an artist. And uh, you'll have to go to his website, Shy Sounds, that's S-H-Y-E Sounds, because he did just release a full EP and he also tied in a book of poetry with it. And I can't wait for you guys to hear him talk about it because it's such a cool concept. And yeah, I'm just really excited to dig into the episode. Um, You'll be able to hear the conception of the song Boy Meets World and the music video, which is such a cute story. I was getting a little misty when he was telling it because it's just such a sweet story. And yeah, so I'm really excited to bring this to you guys, but also go check out Shy's work. You can find him at Shy Sounds. Again, that's S-H-Y-E Sounds on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, website. Go check him out. You will not regret it. It's He's such an incredible artist and was such a fun guest to have. I'm so glad I got to talk to him. Unfortunately, Skylar did have a work emergency, so he will be unable to join us this week. But Skylar and I will be back very soon with the rest of season seven. So so enjoy this bonus-ode with Shy. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Have you ever been told you look like uh, uh, Marnie from Halloween Town a little bit? No, but I'll take that as a compliment. Yes, it is. (laughs) I used to hear when I was little, I used to hear Selena Gomez a lot. I never really saw that. I guess when we were younger, but that's really the only one that I've that I have heard. So I'm I'm hitting you with the deep cut. I know. (laughs) I appreciate it. well, hi. hi. We're, uh, I'm so sorry that Skylar can't be here, but I'm glad that we got to get together. Um, for those of you who are tuning in, welcome. This is the Feeny Call, and today we're super excited to have a bonus out guest. Recording artist Shy is with us talking about um, pretty much just Boy Meets World, his story with the show, and also his new book that just came out, his new song called Boy Meets World that just came out. And I'm so excited to hear about like your, I'm just so excited to hear. I was like watching the music video this morning and I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Yeah, thank <laughs> so you. yeah, I'm like, um, very excited to talk about the, just the song and like how it came about because I feel like it's Boy Meets World is something that's so rarely referenced in like music specifically, but also like just television shows. I feel like it's one of those really like under the wire type things that you don't really, if, if someone does know Boy Meets World, they're like diehard or they've never heard of it. I feel like there's no like in between. Yeah. (laughs) So so tell me like about your Boy Meets World journey. How did you watch it as a kid live or did you not get into it until a little later? So I started, um, I started watching it I will, I watched it when I was a kid, but I think mm-hmm. that I think we, my sister and I started watching it a lot when it was on like the Disney channel, um, mm-hmm. reruns. 
yeah. um, towards like the late 90s, early 2000s. So I started seeing some of it live, but I didn't start mm. the show live. Um, okay. But we were just like, my sister and I would run home after school and just sprint into the house, plop right on the couch and watch Boy Meets World every day. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, it's, it's a show that um, I've loved for most of my life and it has meant a lot to me. So it was, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was a little, a little too young to watch it right when it came out. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I was, I think this show ended in what, 2000, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like 99-ish. Yeah, so I was I was um, I was like eight or something when it ended. So uh, okay, so I was able to like kind of get in towards the end and then watch all the syndication stuff. Yeah, nice. I don't know why I thought I was older than you. I guess I'm not. I was born in '94. I'm '92. Okay, great. I, I now now that I'm in my late twenties, I just assume that I'm older than everyone. That's just like my natural assumption now. Just being yeah. old. <laughs> Wait, did you? So you turned thirty this year. Not yet. Or did you are not yet? Not yet. Okay. I'm sorry. We're in route. Say anything. <laughs> We're oh, in route. how are you feeling about that? I mean, we don't have to talk about it if you don't I want to. It's weird like about it. Um, yeah. um, I, I used to be like super upset that I couldn't grow a beard, but now nobody knows how <laughs> old I am. I got this like sweet baby face going on. So it works That's for fair. me, I think. I had, I have someone that I was kind of thinking like watching your video, I was like, has anyone ever told you you kind of look like Dacre Montgomery? Like uh, you've got a more slender face, but your eyes right here reads very Dacre Montgomery to me. I've never heard that so, one. Sorry. I've heard a wide array of things and okay. a lot of them don't make sense. <laughs> I heard Ryan Sheckler a lot as a kid. Do I know who that is? He's like a, a famous skateboarder that he had his like own TV show and stuff. Okay. I knew it was an athlete. I wasn't sure. Yeah, so I got him. Okay. I've gotten the kicker for the Baltimore Ravens. I forget I think his name is Justin Tuck, Justin Tucker, something like that. Um, I've gotten Johnny Knoxville, which <laughs> I don't really get. Someone told me I looked like Tom Hanks, and that dude's like sixty. Oh. So I don't, I don't get that one. Maybe like young Tom Hanks. I guess. Like, like. Sleepless in Seattle, Tom Hanks, or even before, maybe like Joe and the Volcano, Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also That's got funny. told, I hear a lot that I look like this one dude from Teen Mom, apparently. Oh. And my question is always like, was he a good dad? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> like, all right, that's cool. Okay, then that's I'm fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. I don't want to look like a deadbeat. I wanted to also ask about Girl Meets World. Did you watch Girl Meets World or what are your thoughts on so Girl I Meets didn't, World? I didn't um i haven't seen every episode but i watched a good okay. amount of it um i love and appreciate it for what it is mm-hmm. however i think in order for it to resonate with people the way boy meets world did it had to not be on disney that's fair that's because very it, fair it's very disney like mm-hmm. very disney and Boy Meets World was not. Boy Meets World was like, you know, a show that I loved that my parents could watch. It had mm-hmm. edge to it. There was some, you know, adult, you know, they, you know, address um, sexual harassment. They address mm-hmm. alcoholism. They address mm-hmm. like, uh, abandonment. Like all these things. It's like, it's a very wide ranging and show that has a lot of depth. And mm-hmm. I feel like when you put a reboot-ish of that on Disney, it has to lose that depth because they're not catering to the original audience anymore. 
That's very true. I completely agree. I think it was hit because it brought, it brought back a lot of the cast. I remember when they brought Tommy back, I fully screamed. I'm pretty sure my neighbors thought I was being abducted because I just (laughs) screamed at the top of my lungs. But yeah, it, it was hit in that regard. I like that they brought everybody back, but at the same time, you're 100% right. It was not the right, um, platform. It should have been done in a more ABC Mm -hmm. somewhere that would allow, allow them to actually, I make this, um, I make this comparison all the time. I haven't seen a reboot of a show Mm -hmm. work quite like have you watched the new iCarly yeah I actually just watched it uh it's this last dope. weekend yeah it's like because it's <laughs> yeah. like it's like all the kids that watched it growing up are adults now so we mm-hmm. don't want to see the same show it's like it's no. got all the same charm from the original show but it's more catered to the original demographic mm-hmm. than it is to like a new demographic of kids that aren't going to care about it like we do you know Yes. 100%. I, I love the fact that like, you know, they're dating, they're swearing, they're talking about sex, they're drinking, they're whatever. It feels very, even like the whole Freddie's daughter, super young talking about like the Gen Z millennial difference in the show. Like I just, I loved it. Yeah. I have a couple of episodes that I still need to finish. Um, I, I was dog sitting and who I was dog sitting for, they had Paramount plus. And so I was just like, yes, this is my moment, but I didn't get <laughs> to finish all of it. So, but yeah, that's a really good point. I think they definitely catered to, they were just trying to make it something. They were trying to make it the next boy meets world, as opposed to catering to boy meets world's fan boy meets world fans. And I think it just missed the mark. It was, yeah. it's not what they should have done. So I think you're definitely right in that. Yeah. Of course, I feel like I need to ask the obvious questions. What's your favorite episode and who's your favorite character? Oh man, I have like a, I have several favorite episodes. Um, if we're going like really, really early on, I love the episode where um, Sean's parents are kind of out and then Mm-hmm. He stays with uh, Corey and then he sneaks out the window. And then like, that's when like Jonathan kind of starts taking him in. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love, um, I love the, the episode um, where it's Topanga Sweet 16 and Corey has to run back and forth <laughs> Sweet 16 in the Vader match. I love that. Um, I love the Scream episode is like, oh my God, I unmatched. Yeah. Just unmatched. But that's the thing too, is like, I feel like I love a lot of different episodes for a lot of reasons. Like, that's fair. Um, you know, the one where um, Eric doesn't go to college and he just like sits on the couch and he's Cocoa Puffs all day. And just like, I love that episode. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. How, why haven't you done a cover of that yet? I'm sorry. I probably should, honestly, but I would yeah. ask Will <laughs> to do it too. Um, that's fair. <laughs> the, um, but I, I think a lot of it has to do with like characters moments too. Like mm-hmm. the episode where Turner gets into the motorcycle accident and Sean is like at the center. Oh my God. I, I wouldn't even say that's, that's one of my favorite episodes, but the moment between the leader of the center mm-hmm. and Alan is like one of my favorite moments where Alan okay. so Alan is the undisputed king of, of television dads it's just like oh one thousand percent 
1000 so, yeah. percent I think though like I have a wide range of favorite episodes I feel like the scream episode is probably if I had to pick like one mm-hmm. I feel like that's a big one for me um but my favorite character is Eric oh hands down yeah. hands down oh yeah. Skylar would be like so mad if he were here he'd be like Feeny is the best character and I, my favorite character is Eric too I, I love Eric so much Feeny is the best character yeah. I agree but Eric is my favorite mm-hmm. Eric is my favorite that show isn't I don't think like I feel like that show catered to each individual actor's strengths mm-hmm. and Eric's or Will's uh is he's hilarious he's a very funny person so like I don't think I think everybody on that show had had moments where they were hilarious and the Mm -hmm. writing was perfect but like Eric was just always funny yes that's true that's so true oh my god I think other than Bill Daniels Will Friedle is just my favorite on the show I think he's so good at both I know a lot of people are they love Ryder Strong they think Ryder Strong is the best and he's Mm -hmm. the strongest comedic and dramatic actor but I I think it's Will I think it's Will I think Ryder rivals him in a lot of situations I really do but I think Will is just so there's something so charismatic and the word that came to mind was intoxicating it's not exactly the word that I mean but something similar where he's enthralling it's his performance is always enthralling to me whether he's doing comedy or drama because it's just he nails it every time there's not a moment where I can think of that I'm like ooh, that was not a well delivered I did not like that well that's the thing about that show too is that like as far as the main cast goes like and again it's a wide main cast so if we're Mm -hmm. we're talking Corey Topanga Alan and Amy um even Morgan Eric Mm -hmm. Feeney Sean, Angela, like, no, there, there were no bad performances. Like everybody mm-hmm. on that show is great. And I mm-hmm. feel like anytime you watch a show where everybody on that show is phenomenal, it's, it's, it's rare. I feel like it's rare. There's always one person that you're like, yeah, I don't believe you, but yeah. they're, they're just <laughs> like true. all just so good. They're all mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. That's so that's so true. Now and I mean, back then and even now, I mean, I enjoyed the adults in Girl Meets World way more than I enjoyed watching the kids do anything. Not that I don't love the kids who are in the show. I think they're all very sweet and cute and have all gone off and done exciting things. Um, but I, I just watched it for the adults. I didn't watch. I, I feel like at the end, towards the end of the series, I was skipping through some of the kids stuff just to get back to the adult stuff. to see it because they're just so they're way more compelling to me than the than the kids were I now I want to kind of switch gears and talk a little bit about your process of like okay so you grew up watching the show you love the show so where did that come into did you were you just like I have to write a song about this or were you like okay tell me that tell me just uh, start from scratch tell me the process so as far as like songwriting for me, like mm-hmm. everyone's always like, do you do music first? Do you do lyrics first? Do you do melody? And it's mm-hmm. a very fluid situation. It kind of just depends on, you know, sometimes I'll come up with a guitar riff first and it leads to things. But mm-hmm. um, there was this song that I was really inspired by that I really loved. And I was trying to replicate the 
feeling it gave me, not the sound it, but the the feeling it gave me. And I picked up a guitar and I I started writing that riff. So the riff mm-hmm. came first. And I almost didn't save it. I was about to delete oh. it. So this song <laughs> Sorry, is like in a, the story. <laughs> this song is like the 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 miracle baby because it was um I like wrote it and I was like messing around with it and I was just like, I don't know if this is it. I don't know. So I just like by habit save things before I close them. So I saved it. And I was just like, yeah, it's not it, whatever. Next day I open it back up and I'm like, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, let me try something. So I started adding more guitar layers on top and I was like, okay, I think this is going somewhere cool. And it just like was something that like kept bringing me back. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when it came, when I finally got like the structure down and I went to go start writing it, it, I don't know, the song feels very like warm and almost casual it's like uh-huh. a very um it's not like super in your face it's not um over the top production wise it was this very like relaxed warm hanging out with your friends type feel so mm-hmm. you know um the entire record i put out was based on conversations i had with my therapist and mm-hmm. this one mostly just like you know like there are i i this song is actually uh, although I do reference Boy Meets World, it's called Boy Meets World. This song is actually in its greater like macro sense about the things you do to cope with pain and hurt and loss mm-hmm. that are both healthy and unhealthy. Mm. And my healthy thing that I do to cope is watching my favorite shows a thousand times. It's like a yes. comfort thing. The unhealthy thing I do is I tend to be like, Oh, it'll just work itself out. Let me just like work and write and and ignore it and just hope it figures itself out. Mm-hmm. So this song was me trying to essentially take both of those and meet them in the middle, where it's just like I would like to be more forthcoming with how I feel. I would like to be more open and and stop ignoring pain because I think it'll go away. Mm-hmm. I so I've, I'm very sitcom obsessed. Uh, all my favorite shows are sitcoms and so I came up with the idea like can you come by tonight and watch something for the thousand mm. and I was like well which show I have I, you know I love home improvement I love Seinfeld mm. I love and I was just like well the one that's been in my life since a child my favorite show ever is Boy Meets World and I mean it happened to fit structurally as well yeah I was like I want this song to feel like feel nostalgic even though it's new and I want it to you know feel super authentic um and I think anybody who knows me knows what that show has meant to my life so Mm -hmm. it it just made sense and it worked out and it's been uh, a fun one that was a really long drawn out answer that's okay (laughs) no oh my god don't apologize I love it I I honestly since I heard the song have wanted to know like since we kind of started talking and we're like we should we need to get you on the show I've been like I need to hear what the process was like just hearing your like where the thought came from or if it started with like I you know what this is my favorite song I want to write or this is my favorite show I want to write a song about it or kind of vice versa and I really like the idea that you like 
Well, I love the idea that you almost scrapped it. And then you were like, something kept kind of pulling me back. There's definitely something to be said for like the fate of all of that. I don't know how. Yeah. Woohoo, I'm going to get. But at the same time, I think there's something very special about like something that you originally didn't see being important all of a sudden showing up in a really important way. And I love that marriage of like, of uh, you saying it's something that is like good and bad because I'm writing the song and that tends to be a bad coping mechanism, but I'm writing about like a good coping mechanism. And also you're you absolutely hit the nail on the head with just the relax. The song is very relaxed. When I, when I personally listen to it, I'm usually driving and it's usually sunset ish nighttime ish. And I'll like put the windows down in my car. I just got a new car. It's not brand new, but I just got a new car new to me. And so I'll like roll down the windows and I have a sunroof now and I'll like let the sunroof go and I'll just be like listening to it. And just, it kind of just carries me because it has, it has that very like soft nostalgic feel to it. So that's, I feel like that's when I listen to it the most is when, yeah, it's just in, in a very chill setting. The other people who worked on it with you, or, well, I guess if you wrote it by yourself, uh, when you started working on the music video and all of that, uh, were other people like, yeah, I love Boy Meets World too. Like, were you able to connect at all? Or, or were you just like, we're going to make this music video. I wrote the song. So there's a, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, mm-hmm. so basically, I, I wrote the song and then I bring it to, I'm a horrible uh, engineer and producer. All of my apartment <laughs> demos sound like they were made in a tunnel. So <laughs> I, I do everything with my, one of my best friends, Tyler. So I basically will like write the song, get it to a certain place and then send it to him. Mm-hmm. And then him and I will like produce it together over Zoom. And then I'll go up. He lives in Rhode Island. I'll, I'll go mm-hmm. up there and uh, like re-record guitars, record all my vocals and, and get everything going. Um, mm-hmm. So we, actually with Tyler, it's funny. Um, we talk about like the fate of the song and how it almost didn't happen. When I sent mm-hmm. him the song, he was like, this is the best song you've ever written. Aww. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, it, there you go. And I loved it, but I, I have like an attachment to everything I write. So I, <laughs> yeah, so like, a, and they, it was like that with a lot of my friends too. Like I have friends who are normally like, I'll send them stuff and they're like, Hey man, this is cool. And, uh, there was one friend in particular that was like, this is, I I'm like, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like, this is incredible. And I was Aww. like, it's so weird to me too, because the acoustic guitar you hear, we didn't re-record. That's my shitty apartment demo. Oh, that's so, so sweet. Yeah, it just felt like super raw and vulnerable. And we were like, let's just keep it in. It's cool. So yeah, I mean, that was cool. And then, um, you know, like I, all my friends love the show. And, mm-hmm. you know, the music video was special, though, because I filmed it at my old elementary school. I was going to ask. Oh, my yeah. God. That's so, so sweet. That pro- this song, there's so much like fate level stuff. I mean, aside from like, the song almost didn't happen. Uh, Will getting involved at a certain point. Um, Mm -hmm. And then this, I had been, the second I wrote the song, I was like, I need to film it at Oak Grove. Oak Grove is my elementary school. I have a little tattoo of acorns on my arm. There's a brick with my name on it outside the school, my family's name. And um, so I uh, was diagnosed um, obsessive compulsive and bipolar while I went to school there. And so like it was, they were like, could have been very tumultuous years for me 
mm-hmm. but like the staff was incredible. All the, my teachers were amazing. And like, I, I just remember feeling like, like part of something and, and seen and heard and understood, even though I didn't see here or understand myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that school means everything to me. Like I I've already decided if there was ever a time period where they shut the school down that mm-hmm. I would, I'd buy it. Like I would just, <laughs> I don't have the money to do that, but I figure out a way. Yeah. So I had been, the second I wrote the song, I was like, I need to film this at Oak Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been emailing, calling, showing up at the school, trying to get them to let me do it. And it took me, it was like th- a three month period. And I was like, not really getting anywhere. And then mm-hmm. when I showed up at the school, it seemed like I was maybe starting to grease the wheels a little bit. And then um, I went to work one day mm-hmm. and we, I had to work this awful event. Everybody in the, in, at my job hates this event. It's the worst day of the year. Mm. And you basically get paired up with somebody from the community and, you know, work together. It's, it's, I, when I state it like that, it sounds like I'm being <laughs> insensitive and a jerk, but it truly is the worst. It's just such an no, awful true. experience. So I was like, whatever, I'm not in the mood. I'm not stoked to be there. Mm-hmm. And I'm working this event and the person they pair me up with, I'm getting along great with. This guy's great. He's like, I love this dude. He's making this enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. And he has a name tag and it says his name and it says uh, Wappinger Central School District. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, you work in a school district? He was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a graduate of that school district. And he was like asking me what school I went to, and like, yada, yada, yada. We're going through the whole process. And um, I was like, what do you, what do you do for the school district? He was like, oh, I'm the superintendent. And I was like, oh, <laughs> really? Oh my God. <laughs> so I told him the idea and he was like, email me tomorrow. I'll see what I can do. And I was like, all right. So I text my director because we had come up with an entire video concept as like a plan b yeah and i texted him and i was like we may have just gotten the weirdest luckiest break of all time i'll text you in a little bit so i emailed him he emailed me back five minutes later and was like let me see what i can do the school called me 40 minutes later i was like what day do you want to do it oh my god <laughs> so that oh was oh my cool. god it was the universe amazing. was like this song will get fucking made it will get made it's happening nothing will stop it it's getting <laughs> made that's so funny and then the uh, like there's just like little things like the the classroom that we were in mm-hmm. was the classroom of my second grade teacher mrs monopoly who passed away oh. um, when i was young and oh, she okay. was the one who got me into theater so it was oh. like a very full circle moment the woman who plays the teacher is my mother that's my mom so sweet and then um (laughs) two of my best friends on the planet um Aaron and Christina Christina plays my love interest in the in the uh music video Mm -hmm. they both went to that school with me I've been friends with them since I was like five so it was like a beautiful full circle moment like and everybody who went to that school um feels the way I do about that school it's like a very important place for us all so it was just a the whole experience was really cool. I know you asked if it like helped you connect with anybody with Boy Meets World, but there's just like so many little connections that were really yeah. cool. And then all my friends, obviously, who were a part of it, like freaked out about mm-hmm. the Will thing. And um, and also like, I didn't really use TikTok a lot before this song came out. And then I started using it and I'm 
understanding now like the benefit mm -hmm. and the the boy meets world community on there that's like i've connected with and they've um you know enjoyed the song but also just like opened up a dialogue i've been doing breakdowns about how you know i think mr feeney had the greatest final scene of any character in mm -hmm. tv history and you know oh. just little things like that and then um being able to like preview the song after so I, this song has helped me you know connect with a lot of things from my childhood and my friends and you know people i've looked up to for a long time but it's also mm -hmm. helped me connect to an entire group of people who love this show just as much as i do mm -hmm. hey What's up? <laughs> uh tell me about will's involvement i know like he posted the video announcing the premiere um but yeah tell me how all of that came about oh man that was a another weird fate thing um, oh my god i love it this i this, swear this the universe show, was like this will get made this song yeah this song had a had a lot behind it and it wasn't all for me um <laughs> so will's on cameo you know obviously mm -hmm. cameo is um and like generally the people who are on cameo don't do stuff like what will did for me it's mostly like happy birthday trina i hope you have a yeah. lucky day like yeah so when I wrote the song, I was like, oh man, like maybe if I can reach out to him and just get him the song, and, like see what he says. Yeah. So I reached out to him and when I went to, Cameo is very, uh, I have to give them this, they're very protective of <clears throat> the people who are on the app. So like, nice. I can't just go in and message anybody. They have to message me first for me to respond. Um, mm. You can't send links. You can't do any, like it's wow. very protective. So it's like, how am I going to get him the song? Yeah. So I made a private custom link on my website that was like perfect, like uh, specifically curated for him. It was like, mm. hey, Will, thank you for taking the time. I hope you like the song, blah, blah, blah. And I put a link to the song. Yeah. But because I couldn't send a link, I just spelled out .com slash, I was like, oh. it's like shysounds.com slash BMW. And I was like, I wrote this song. I love this show. I'm a huge fan. It would mean everything to me if you just checked it out yeah so i was on a train to new york city to go see elton john with my mom oh side note just amazing just incredible <laughs> so good um and i was telling her on the train about how i wanted to do this how this is the plan for me and i was like i don't i don't i don't know if he's gonna answer though i don't think he will like I'm just like someone who likes to try to reel back expectations. It's just like, oh, that'd be so cool if he did though, blah, blah, blah. And we're walking in the arena and we like get what we need to get. We sit down. I literally sit down into my seat and I pull out my phone. I was like, you have a message from Will Fidel. Oh my God. <laughs> and he was just like, Nick, I absolutely love this song. Like, um, this is so good. Like, I've been listening to like a bunch of your other music as well now. Like, can I send it to the cast? Like, let me know if there's anything I can do oh. to help. And my, I showed it to my mom and she started crying. Oh. And I was like, this is phenomenal. So then I see the show and I get out and he sends me that video. And it's, I can't even begin to describe like the feeling it gave me because I, literally what I thought if, A, I thought he was never gonna answer. B, I thought if he did answer, he would probably say no and see if he did answer and didn't say no i thought he'd be like hey check out this song it's cool thanks it's will and it's like yeah. two minutes yeah. of him just like 
really authentically articulating how much he appreciates the song and likes my other stuff and like mm -hmm. he said I made his wife cry and I was like hey this is incredible um and then so I was texting my girlfriend and she was like they're doing a 90s convention the weekend mm -hmm. your song comes out an hour and 15 minutes from us and I was like <laughs> cool done <laughs> so we went and I got to like meet him and thank him in person and mm -hmm. it was just so oh man he's he is the coolest nicest dude ever <sighs> he's just like everything so you want him to, to be that. because of the show he is mm -hmm. like I, I I was dumbfounded he he was like I was on the elliptical this week and I was jamming your songs and my wife <laughs> loves it and blah, blah blah he's just oh he's so nice oh <sighs> I'm so glad that makes me so happy that he, I mean, what honestly went above and beyond what you, what I feel like what any celebrity would do as far as like, Oh, you sent me something. Oh, thank you. That's, yeah. that's great. Thank you so much. But like just listening to it and making that video and like responding to you and being so sweet. I feel like he's just like, Oh, I, I'm so happy to hear that he's an actual good guy and genuine. He's He's, being. <laughs> he's just so, wonderful that kind of bleeds into another question i had for you which was have you gotten to meet any of the the cast so you've obviously met will so i met will um mm -hmm. i met it's a weird day i went up to trina and met mm -hmm. trina and she's posted about the song like four times now she is awesome yeah. she's so cool um but i went up to her so basically when i got there i was like if I meet nobody else today, I have to meet Will and thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. So we got that out of the way first. Um, I went up to Katrina and I, was, I went to go introduce myself. I was like, hey, my name's Nick, um, but I'm an artist. I go by the name Shy. Uh, I wrote this song that came out this week. It's called Boy Meets World. And she was like, oh, I heard it. I loved it. And then started like reciting the lyrics back to me. I was, oh. like, <laughs> I was shook absolutely shook she was like i gotta take a video of you for my instagram she's like so sweet and then she's posted about it a bunch of times like i said and just been like really kind and sweet about it too mm -hmm. um i met Ryder, who was really nice um mm -hmm. and he hadn't heard it but i i was like hey man like check it out It'd be cool and i met matt lawrence who was also super sweet um i was bombed i every time i would get to um danielle's line mm -hmm. They would cut it off like right before oh, I got no. there. And I was like, uh, all right, I'm gonna try something. And my girlfriend's like, you have balls. And I was like, what well, I mean, what's the worst they could say? No. So I went up to the line, I was like, I got 50 bucks for anyone who wants to give me their place in line. And everyone looked at me and I was like, never mind. See never later. mind. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been trying to actively get it to her too. I have some weird back channels of people who know people that know her i'm trying sure. to like move it through um because i would love for her to hear it but mm -hmm. everybody i've interacted with about it um from the show has just been wonderful good yeah that's great that's so fun we got to talk to trina in 2020 loved her she's just like a ray of sunshine she's yeah. just so wonderful so I would love at some point an opportunity to talk to Will. I'm sure that he is so busy now with Pod Meets World. Uh, a bunch of people reached out to us when they announced their podcast and they were like, you guys should be on the show. And I was like, tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me, I know. Tell we're them aware. That. We would love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be oh, amazing. Let me see if I have any other questions for you. Oh, should Topanga have gone to Yale? 
It's such a hard question to answer because it's like, realistically, probably from like a, just a life perspective, you know? Yeah. But oh, know. for the sake of the relationship, and it's funny too, because I, um, I heard them talk about at the convention, they did like a panel and they were talking about how the reason why Sean and Angela didn't end up together was because they think it speaks to the reality of the situation. Whereas Topanga and Corey's relationship is very not realistic for the most part, that rarely happens. So I think if they were trying to inject some like realism into the show, Mm -hmm. sure. But I also understand like, how do you have a show for like, what two three more seasons they're in yeah. yeah three more seasons how do you have a show for three more seasons when they're not together so yeah but like girl like go to Yale I know Rory Gilmore went to Yale and she seems to have a great time that's true <laughs> and she even made a relationship with her like hometown boyfriend work for a little while even though yeah. he's married but that's beside the point yeah um <laughs> we don't talk about that so but yeah I mean if you've listened to the show at all Skylar has made it absolutely clear that he thinks that Topanga should have gone to Yale and I I have to agree but I I definitely understand almost the dichotomy between Sean and Angela and Corey and Topanga that their relationship almost defies reality because of how they've been together forever they've had these things with other people and still come back to each other and they always come back to each other and they're always going to choose each other and they're married at 19 whatever versus obviously Sean and Angela who have struggled with their relationship and broken up a couple of times they have gotten back together but it's been like more in a healing process not because they're like we belong together but it's like through their healing they have come back to each other my heart wishes that they had ended up together, but I think it's definitely a good, it's probably for the best that they didn't. Yeah. Though I will never forgive Angela's dad. I'm like, Mm -mm. why don't you get another job, man? That's just rude. (laughs) Just dragging your kid around everywhere. Come on. That's fair. You make some good points. You make (laughs) some good points. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that was going to be another question I had for you was, uh, should Sean and Angela have ended up together? Do you think they should have ended up? Or do you like what they did? I shouldn't say like what they did. That's no one likes it, but you know. I think that it, I think I like how bummed I am that they're not together. Okay. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's so much of that show that ends up being pre- not, I, I don't know. I don't want to say predict. Corey and Topanga are predictable. It's like they're always going to end up together. So I think that from the perspective of understanding that that's not realistic Mm -hmm. and had Sean and Angela ended up together, would I have felt differently about the show? Probably not. Um, Would I have been like, oh yeah, of course they did. Like, why would they do that? Probably not. But I think it speaks to how beloved that relationship was mm-hmm. that it's still a topic that we continue to be like, oh, man, just figure mm-hmm. it out. You know? Yeah. I think it kind of is more meaningful that they did. Mm-hmm. I almost wish they hadn't brought Trina back on for Girl Meets World. I'm sure she does as well. <laughs> Wishes they hadn't brought her back, but um, it's, 
interesting to me that they, it almost, I mean, it's, it's a television show, so it's going to cater more towards the side of like having closure. Whereas, you know, in life, sometimes we don't get that closure. We never get that question answered or the final seal on something, a relationship, anything. And so it's, it's interesting to me that they brought her back when I think they actually had a little bit of an opportunity to leave it very open-ended. And I almost wish that they had, because it's just like, sometimes in life we don't get that closure and we don't get to like have conversations with our exes like that. And we don't, you know, so I almost wish that they hadn't brought her back. I understand why they did it, but I almost wish that they hadn't in Grumman's world. I do. I feel like there's a, there's a big part of me that would love I don't know. I don't know that I want to see them do another show. Mm-hmm. But I think if they could write like a movie or like an hour special, yeah, and do it from the perspective of where they'd be now, but from like the realistic side of Boy Meets World and like yes. catering to our demographic and not to kids, like mm-hmm. I feel like that would would be perfect closure because. Yeah. I think for so much of us that grew up with the show, like Girl Meets World, um, though charming and feel good bringing our favorite characters back, I don't know that they were brought back in a manner that felt awesome to us. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I would love to see them like do a special that's even put out on like Disney Plus where it's like, a streaming service but they're allowed to be more real and adult catered like you know yeah world kind of ended up being anyway yeah yeah definitely not disney channel but i think bringing it in on something that they could just go a little more get a little grittier with it which I mean was Hillary Duff's problem when they were going to bring back Lizzie McGuire. She was like, I want it to be gritty. I want it to be honest. And this doesn't feel like what Lizzie would actually be up to nowadays. So maybe they, maybe they would never, but yeah, definitely having almost like that, not like the Gilmore girls reunion, but similar to where there's like four hour long specials and it just like covers the span of a year. So we just can kind of see like, what's, what's going on, what's happening with them not in the context of you know girl meets world but i also do think it would be nice because this is a conversation i have with my friend brie a lot too like eric never got a relationship Mm -hmm. we never saw him in a relationship on that show we saw him with like like flings here and there but like Mm -hmm. i don't know i would like to see i would also like to see him even if it's not like oh it's all these years later and he's married now but it's all Mm -hmm. these years later and maybe he meets somebody and he's like finally you know settling in that sense like they always kind of made him out to be like the lone wolf type yeah it would be nice to kind of see him which i get because you had alan and amy's relationship you had Corey and topanga's you had sean and angela's you had jack and rachel you had you know what i mean like everybody but like they never gave Eric that like I just need Eric to be all happy you know with his little family to be so sweet even if he even if they didn't give him like specifically a relationship like long standing relationship I would just love to see him as a dad 
like adopting if he decided, a kid or something. Yeah, yeah. If he decided adoption was for him or in the event that he like uh, maybe dated somebody, but like she got pregnant, but she was like, I don't want to get married or like I have to move or something like that or dies or something. Not that yeah. I'm trying to like kill people, <laughs> but like, I would just, love like, that though. Eric is like a dad. I would love because even like the Tommy so arc, like as as short lived as favorite. it was, like his relationship with Tommy was like is like one of my mm-hmm. that even the, the the episode where he's like I'm not going to adopt you destroys oh me every every time time. <laughs> every time that's probably my favorite moment maybe of the whole series yeah it's so it's so powerful and again will does not disappoint he never does no. he just absolutely knocks it out of the park i I'll, I'll give you like a broader like a top five favorite boy meets world moments so not moments. specific episode but like moments okay um moments the yes. the alan confronting the cult leader yes absolutely the episode where um because I think it's a pivotal, pivotal point in the series. The episode where Corey and Sean sneak up to Mr. Feeney's cabin mm-hmm. and Sean starts like reading his diary or whatever. And uh, Sean says to Feeney, he's like, oh, like, you don't know anything about me. And you're like, he says like, Sean Patrick Hunter, like loves counting crows, like all these things. Yeah. That's one of my favorite moments where it's like, I think that's the first, because I made this point too. Like, I feel like, Sean's first connection with like an adult figure, like real connection was Turner. Mm-hmm. And I think for so much of the early series, he didn't connect with uh, Feeney the way that the other kids did. Yeah. So to see him finally break through and get that connection was wonderful to me. I love that. The, I mean, the entire Scream episode for sure. Like that, <laughs> that's as a moment in general, like, yes. I love the uh, Plays of Squirrels episode where he does mm. the, like the lose one friend, lose all friends, lose, lose yourself. All friends, lose stuff. Yeah. When it, what would I, that's four, I think. <laughs> it doesn't so, have to be five, but. <laughs> it's really hard to choose. Um, I also, I feel like a lot of my favorite moments honestly revolve around Alan. Because I feel like him as a dad, like the way he connects to everybody and like his relationship with Corey is wonderful and his relationship with Eric is wonderful, but his relationship with with Sean is my favorite. I think the episode where Corey and Sean get caught drinking Mm -hmm. and Alan like freaks out on Sean and then has to like come back and apologize. Like I love, I absolutely love that moment too. I think Mm -hmm. honestly, like, Everybody on that show carries their weight when it comes to dramatic acting. Um, but that, like, Alan is a, like a heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, just also, I loved um, in the episode with Fred Savage where he plays the oh my teacher God. that takes advantage of, of Topanga. Like, yeah. the way I love, I love the way Feeney reacts. And like how he goes to bat for those kids. But the moment I love the most is how Fred Savage's character tries to exploit Sean's 
appreciation for him as a teacher and use yeah. it against Feeney. And like at the end, Feeney's, he says to Feeney, like, I don't know how I could ever compare him to you. Like, that's such a beautiful moment too. Like, ah, there's five is hard. I can oh. go on for hours. <laughs> oh my God. 10, 20, however many you want to do. It doesn't yeah. have to be five specifically, but oh yeah. The episode with Brad Savage is my favorite for sure. It's, so it's just good. like, it almost feels very out of left field. Like, I just love Fred Savage's performance. He's so good at being like a charming skis ball. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, just those moments, like, it, because we've dealt with some things with Sean's like abandonment, we've dealt with a little bit with, um, we've done a little bit of like the sexual harassment side with the chick like me, but not so in so far as it's Topanga who's in the situation where she's being harassed. So it kind of comes out of left field and it's like, Oh, Topanga is dealing with something that's very, very serious that I did not expect. And I just remember that really hitting me hard as a young woman, like it really hit hard. And I was just like, I've never seen this in a show before. I'm like, I I was, I was also like a little young to watch it live. Um, but I started in middle school, like catching reruns and then recording it when we got a TiVo in high school. (laughs) And, uh, and that was one that just always stuck out to me because it was just so powerful to watch as, as a young woman in high school, then going to college and being like, okay, I got to watch out for these yeah. things. Now I have to start thinking this way. And, and this is the world that's been shaped for me. It's so. also just wild too, because it is such a heavy episode and it hits so hard, but like the performance you're, you're right. Like Fred plays a charming skis ball so well. It's like, it feels so real that you're like uncomfortable for them in the situation. Yeah. And it's not even like the act itself is awful. And the, and, um, and, you know, you start to feel that during the act itself, but during like the trial, when mm-hmm. he starts to like manipulate them into trying to play his side it's mm-hmm. like the grossest mm-hmm. feeling. Like I feel like uncomfortable and I've seen the show a billion times and I know exactly what's going to happen. And yeah. every time I'm like, I want to murder this dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's hard. It's hard to watch. It can be very hard to watch, especially for anyone who's gone through that. Like that can be a very difficult thing to kind of watch this man yeah kind of manipulate the situation someone that was definitely a wolf in sheep's clothing take this situation use it to his advantage and try to spin it and thank god for the dean and thank god it's a sitcom and it turned out a little nicer than potentially the reality of the situation could have but you know it's very yeah it's tough it's a tough one to watch i don't want to hold you for too much longer, but I want to talk a little bit about your book and just have you kind of talk about that process as well. Um, somewhere in search of myself and just kind of what that, if it goes like hand in, it sounded to me from the description, like it almost goes hand in hand with your, with your music. Yeah. So I just want to know a little more about, about that. Um, so I had this idea a while ago that I wanted to start writing uh poetry books to coincide with my releases for a couple reasons um for one I had gone through like a a very tough breakup like years ago it was like very Mm. harmful to me and I was Mm. at a point where I was writing at a pace that couldn't keep up with my music release so I was just like Mm. all right let me try and find another avenue for this 
Mm-hmm. So my first book that I wrote um, came out with a record I put out last year called Love or Lack Thereof. And that book was like super fun and um, to, to put together because it was, I had been writing poetry at that point for three years. And mm-hmm. so I just like picked the ones that I still liked from all, all that yeah. time and then wrote like another 20 or something to accompany it. When mm-hmm. I went to go do this record uh, somewhere in search of myself, I was like, I would like to keep that up. And this one was a little tougher for me to write because it was, I had to write it in real time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually, I had probably like 20% of it done. And then I have a friend named um, Oliver Baxter, who is a phenomenal artist. Um, he sings in a wonderful band called Broadside. They're so good. Um, but he also puts out poetry books and he had mm-hmm. put out a new one called, is there anything left for the rest of us? And I bought it and I read it in one sitting and I was like, okay, I got it. I think <laughs> in my first book, I was trying to be, I was reading like a lot of RH Sin poetry and it's like very profound in like four lines. It like, sure. I was trying to move mountains with four lines worth of words. Yeah. With this book and with his he went, he attacked his book from like a more storytelling avenue. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, like, I feel like that's kind of what I would like to do. So then I wrote the rest of my book in like a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the basic idea around it is a, it's another avenue for people to connect to me as an artist um, and, and to my writing. And it does, it coincides with the records I'm putting out. So all the things I'm writing poetry wise have the same kind of thematic elements of what I'm writing about on the record. But for me, the most important part is when I was a kid, there was no more exciting feeling to me than getting a CD, ripping the plastic open and pulling the booklet out and reading that stuff. (laughs) And that doesn't exist anymore. That's true. So I want to recreate that. I mean, like CDs still get made, but who buys them? Yeah. Um, I want to recreate that feeling of like connecting with my music and my songs and my words on a deeper level. So yeah. I, I make these books so that the people who really, really like and appreciate my music can listen to the record and then read the book and be more um, apt to understand what mm-hmm. I'm writing about. That's something I have not thought of in Oh my God, so many years, but that's, you're exactly right. Like that was always, that's what helped me connect to the music and like memorize the music and know all the words to my favorite songs because you get your CD. Yeah. And you'd open it and you'd read about like all of the people that the artist is thinking and you'd read a little, maybe a little bit about the album. And then you'd have all the lyrics in front of you and maybe like, you know, uh, I don't know, a little extra blurb to the fans or something. And that's something that I have not thought about in like, at minimum 15 years yeah because it's just it I probably got on once iTunes started doing their music I just started buying songs that I liked off of albums instead of like full albums and that's kind of a bummer come to think about it it like (laughs) kind of triggered a memory in me that is just like really connecting with I feel like I connect more with artists from my past like if you were to ask me who my favorite artist is now I, it would take me a really long time to answer because I just don't really, I like different songs from different artists, but I don't sit down and like listen to an album front to back anymore. I feel like, especially with Spotify and with like the release of singles and EPs, it's just like, I like this song and this song and this song. 
from this artist. So, oh my God, am I a bad music listener? But it just no, really just, helped me. It's <laughs> just the way it's the digested now. It's yeah. like music is, it's weird. It's such like a, a blessing and a curse because, you know, it, the, the availability and the readiness for like from an artist perspective, it's, it's wonderful. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, if I want to put a record out, you know, I just record the record, I get everything done and I upload it. And it, if I wanted to come out next week, it could come out next week. Um, yeah. Back in the day, like when I was in a band back in the day, we had to get it mixed mastered. Then we had to get all the artwork done. And then we yeah. had to send away for CDs. We had to wait for the CDs to get in. And then we had to try and push wow. them like that. It was like so much harder to mm-hmm. spread it. So like the readiness and the availability of it is wonderful. <laughs> the only thing it's like I said, it's a blessing and a curse because it's, you have to be very persistent and like purposeful in digesting bodies of work now. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, it was like you waited, you, you bought a CD and then you weren't going to get another one probably for three months until your mom bought you another one. So that's <laughs> all you listen to, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. even the deep cuts are your favorite songs. Now it's, so the, for me, it's like, I'm trying to create when I do put out records, like another reason for you to want to listen to the entire body of work. Yeah. I think that's brilliantly done. I think just from, uh, from an artist's perspective, I think it's beautiful that you're giving your fans another, that also that opportunity to connect with you. And then just from a marketing standpoint, it's, it's brilliant. Like it's a brilliant way of thinking about gaining interest in yes but like completely enjoy my work in its completeness and its fullness as opposed to like i'm just gonna give you this and then have fun and you know i'll yeah. i'll see you guys later or like doing something and almost speeding through the process because i feel like it's a you know it's it's a quality thing you kind of like you were saying i feel like you could write anything you could put anything to a beat and just like get it out there and send it out and be like, okay, there you go. Have fun. And it doesn't really mean anything. And it's not supposed to be connected to anything, but having that connection, not only to like the songs to each other, but then also back to your life and your poetry and like all of that, having all of that connect, I think gives fans a, an incredibly well-rounded experience that I, like I said, I haven't thought about in like 15 years. Cause you just don't think about that anymore. So I yeah. think it's, I think it's brilliant on, on many, many levels more specifically as an artist, but like also, yeah, like I said, from a marketing standpoint, brilliant. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, those are all my, like I said, I don't want to hold you too long. We've already been chatting for an hour and I feel like I, we could probably talk boy meets world for the rest of the day, but, um, 100%. <laughs> you much. Can but, I show you this real quick? Yes. I saw, I saw that it, I saw the little logo and <gasps> Oh my God. Where did you get that? So there's, I don't know if they're still on. Let me check and see if I, so I follow this company. I've like become like internet friends with the dude who runs it. It's called paradise of flowers. Okay. I'll send you the link, but they do um, like all nostalgia based stuff. They don't have anything boy meets world left, but I have a pair of Lizzie McGuire shorts that they still have. God bless. There's, um, Gilmore Girls stuff. There oh. is Flubber, Cool Runnings, <laughs> um, Motocross, Johnny Tsunami. It's it's the best. I I I spend way too much money at this website, but their stuff is pretty cheap too. It's not like super expensive. I'm sending you the link right now. Okay, great. <laughs> Yay.
but yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on. Thank you so much for being patient with me as my mine and Skylar's schedule fluctuates and that I patient while I was gone for two weeks in Europe and yeah, thanks for being awesome throughout this entire process and thank you for, for having coming on me. and being, being so vulnerable and talking about your music and talking about like your poetry and your life and connecting it back to like, you know, I, it's not easy to open people up and be like, this is what I talk about in therapy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not, I, I definitely understand it can be very, a very vulnerable, but very cathartic experience. So thank you for sharing that and, uh, and chatting with me and enjoying the show and writing the song and pretty much everything else. <laughs> of course. Thank you for having me. I've been, uh, sincerely looking forward to this and it has not disappointed. So I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And I'll have Skylar listen to it and I'll be like, see what you missed out on. And then he'll probably have a whole plethora of questions. So I'm sure I'm sure we'll be in touch. Yeah, we can so, do a follow-up episode. I'm cool with that. <laughs> and if you're ever in Chicago, let us know. We would I love will. to take you out. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye, Shai. Bye. Thank you. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney!